Welcome to Tea Time with Tiffany, a podcast about faith, books, and everything in between. You can read all of my writings about these same topics over at lifeofacatholiclibrarian.com. everybody and welcome to episode two in our Advent 2017 season of Tea Time. Happy to be with you again uh, for now like a, a two weeks running so this is all exciting. <laughs> um, I do miss just writing in my blog but this is all making me realize I just I unfortunately don't have the time to do both. It's like one or the other. So I think that the seasonal podcast situation will work out well. We'll at least play with that for the next, you know, I don't know, six months or so. Um, See how it all works out in the long run. But I'm liking it so far. I hope that you all enjoyed the first episode. I really enjoyed talking about uh, our Advent book that we're reading together, The Christmas Quilt. So we'll come to that towards the end. But yay, I'm glad to be here with you in my new little spot here for tea time. And so why don't we get into what's happening, um, a little bit of Catholic stuff, and then on to our book. So what's happening? Okay, so it is now the second week of December. It's kind of, I think, that. so it started, no, it's only, what, the fifth or something like that? It just feels like, I, I feel anxious in a way about... Christmas looming and I don't have all of my shopping done. I have zero wrapping done, which is the case every single year because I don't really enjoy the wrapping process and plus I don't have the house to myself all that often and at night once the kids go to bed I'm tired and I don't want to be wrapping presents. So um, what I'm probably going to do is take a day off from work, use a vacation day closer to Christmas and I'll just wrap everything that day. So I'm planning on finishing up the shopping coming up within the week and having that uh, squared away. I have most of the things picked out that I still need to get. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm always so up in the air about if I'm happy with what I've chosen and have I done. I hate to say it, but I think in the back of my mind, have I done enough, you know, just because I'm, I'm, um, I don't know, self-conscious, I guess, about wanting my gifts to be perfect and of course there's only so much I can hand knit in any given year um and of course everybody's on a budget for Christmas so you know I'm um just going through my list and trying to make the final decisions about what uh, I'm going to have time to finish knitting um and when I'm going to um, finish off my final orders that I will be placing what will be in them so that's what one of the things I've been doing um, here at work. We've been sort of going over the semester and thinking about what worked and what didn't and what we want to do the same versus differently in the spring. So we've been having lots of meetings for better or for worse. I don't really like long meetings. I find them very difficult to sit through, but we have been productive. It's coming along. We have lots of time. We have a winter term here. And actually, the fall semester isn't even over yet. This is the last week of classes, but we don't teach for the entire semester because our lab isn't a full, um, isn't the same in terms of the way that the credit hours sort of hash out. So um, we're done. we've been done teaching for a month. Um, but classes at the rest throughout the rest of the university are wrapping up this week. Exams come after, um, so that's still the fall. 
Um, but then after the holidays, right after New Year's, there's a uh, winter term. And I really like that because it gives us additional time since m many people take time off, vacation time between Christmas and New Year's. So that time is really um, just totally time with your family. And so we don't do any work until after New Year's. Um, traditionally for the new semester and when they used to start the spring term sooner it made it really rushed so the winter term really helps really glad for that we won't be starting up until the end of January so we're ahead of schedule for that that's really good um, otherwise I had a really fun weekend I usually write posts about my dance events and I really enjoy those um, you know this right now I'm doing the podcast so you're gonna get the audio form of that I'm sure there well there I know there's going to be tons of dance events coming up where I can write my uh, usual amusing uh, self-deprecating post about these issues so lots of time for that in the future but we had a hafla this weekend and uh, it was really fun I was the way I always am going into a dance event. I was nervous. I, I probably lifelong thing. I get performance jitters, and so I just get sort of withdrawn into myself leading up to it because that's just how I sort of control my anxiety <laughs> about that type of an issue. Um, but it was very nice. Mike was our MC, and he's hilarious and does a wonderful job. It was full and hot because there were so many people packed into the studio, which is not so good for somebody that has an anxious situation going on, just being in close with lots of people. This is why, part of the reason why I have such anxiety about flying, <laughs> because you're just in a small space with a lot of people and I don't like that, but dealt with it pretty well. Um, lots of dancing, lots of costume changes, which are very unpleasant when you are over warm, like in that situation that we're always in when we have avalos. Um, but it went, it went good. It did. Um, we had one person that had an issue with her costume that unfortunately happened after she had started her number. And, you know, that's, I always feel, it's not like something like that happens very often, but I have a lot of empathy um, when that happens to people because that's pretty much like your worst case scenario that you have to deal with that in front of a group of people as if performing wasn't stressful enough. And um, um, they were doing a duet this in this particular number. And, you know, so she just, I mean, it was fine, right? Because um, she knew what happened and so caught the situation before anything really unpleasant happened but you know it's like everybody knows what happened and you have to go back stage and fix it and it, the whole thing is not ideal and so they come back out they just started over and which is what you should do right um the last thing you want to do is start that number over after you've had to you know do an emergency duct tape fix on the, the straps of your costume but um they came back out and um it was just such a, to me, um, such a lovely moment because it shows, I think, a quality that we all need to have, which is resiliency and uh, being a good sport and being able to laugh at yourself uh, and making the best of a difficult situation. And so that was 
just one of the highlights for me um, when they came um, dancing back out onto the stage to redo their number. It, it's one of those things that you always have to keep in mind that you just can't take yourself too seriously. You know, things happen in life and it's not the way that you envisioned it in your head. And so you just have to make the best of it. And that was a, just a really poignant reminder to me of that because the same thing has happened to me in the past and it's not fun to deal with. Um, but I thought that they handled it very, very well. So, um, yeah, that was sort of like the big, um, the big drama, if you will, of the evening. Everything else was drama-free, which is a big yay. Uh, I was pretty tired after that, and Sunday, um, Anne and I went to the Nutcracker, that's right. So that is an annual tradition that I really love, and we had a great time. In fact, if I remember, I will pop an adorable picture that I took of her standing in front of a Nutcracker doll um, at the theater in the show notes. She is just such a cute little girl. Um, we had a really nice time, really, really nice time. I went with my mom and a friend of my mom's. And uh, I just love that tradition every year. And uh, usually Henry comes with us. And this year, for the first time, he's like, I kind of want to stay and watch football with dad, which made me sad, but I understand. I'm hoping that one of them will accompany me to the Nutcracker for the rest of my life. I think it's the least they can do, frankly. <laughs> um, I love the tradition. I certainly don't think that it's just for children. It's a lovely, magical ballet because of the time of year that it always falls into. I know it's a little odd. The story's a little odd. Um, it has its eccentricities, but I just find it to be such a... A wistful Christmas scene that always uh, hearkens just the upcoming joy of the end of Advent and Christmas Eve night and no matter how old I get I love seeing that ballet and so I hope to do it every single year we had a good time so now I am here back at work um, planning lots of dance things in the coming year that I'm super excited about. So I'm sure I'll be writing about all of those. And yeah, uh, I need to start planning for New Year's Eve, which I have not done at all yet. But I'm planning on reusing lots of set lists that I have danced to before because in a setting with multiple 20-minute sets in a restaurant, you want the old faithful. You want the music that you're very comfortable and familiar with. No need to get too um, new in that type of a situation. So yeah, that's probably what I'm going to be doing. But I'm sure I'll mix out a couple of um, a couple of things. I just need to take a look at that. I need to talk to Claire about props, and so we can have a nice variety. I'm looking forward to that actually. So lots of good stuff coming up. Um, all right, our Catholic stuff segment. So I said that this week I was gonna talk about my Blessed Is She Advent journal. There's lots of obviously journals, devotionals for Advent. So feel free to write about yours in the comments. I'd love to hear about it. Um, so this year's Blessed Is She Advent journal is called In the Beginning. And of course, already I've been bad about remembering to use it, which is traditionally my problem with journaling. Um, but today and yesterday, I read the reflections and made a couple notes in the journaling section, and it is so beautiful. So for every day, you have a passage from scripture where it says read. I don't know if you can even see that in the video. 
reflect where the author has written, I mean, absolutely stunning reflection about the gospel message. Beautiful, beautiful, um, just styling in the language and the way that she weaves the narrative is, blessed is she, to me, does this well all the time. It just has such a, a beautiful quality to it, uh, so soothing and peaceful. I'm finding that in the reflections. There's a short respond section where there's a, a reflection question and you can write down, journal your thoughts, an act area that suggests something based upon the message that you've just read that you could do in your own life, and then a prayer at the end. And it's not just a couple line prayer. You can see where it's in, if you're watching the video, in like that peach section. It's a solid paragraph long prayer and it relates to the theme of that day. Uh, within the scripture and within the reflection and they're beautiful. So I'm going to be endeavoring as much as I can. I mean, I don't, I give myself a little bit of a pass with regards to how much I write in the journal section. It doesn't have to be a novel. You know, even if you just write a couple of things, a couple of words or sentences that come into your mind after you've read that, I think that's fine. I think the important thing is to be reading the scriptures and the reflections and incorporating that into your heart and into your life to make your uh, Advent more meaningful. So that's what I'm trying to do. This is a beautiful journal. I, I think that they're out of stock if you wanted to start late. However, another thing if Tiffany remembers, I will go and look in their store because they often will have the uh, ebook available and it's less expensive and of course instant gratification you could just pick it download it and immediately pick it up and start today so i will put that in the show notes but of course there are many other like i said journals and devotionals i'd love to hear about which one you're using for advent 2017. okay book club i'm starting a little bit earlier this way last week i feel like i had like all of this um, housekeeping because it had been so long since we had a tea time so we had to go through all that stuff so this week won't be as long all right so this week we we're reading chapter two of the Christmas quilt I believe next week we're just reading chapter three and then the fourth week we're reading four and five because there's five chapters I think that the week that we read two is the final week but I have a link in the show notes to the full schedule that we had devised so um, one of the weeks coming up is uh, two chapters, although one of them is shorter, and I believe that's the last week. So this week we are reading chapter two. All right, so I made a little index card here with my thoughts. I'm really enjoying rereading this book. It has a very nostalgic feel to it um, because of the amount of reminiscing our main character, Sylvia, is doing back to her childhood about the Christmas, Christmases of old, and the Christmas quilt and how that has sparked her memory of all of these people and events in her life. So in chapter two, we start to get into, we saw in chapter one, Sylvia's interactions with her younger friend, Sarah, um, back in, in her reflection, you know, thinking back to flashing back to her childhood, we see a little bit about her relationship with her older cousin, Elizabeth, whom she adores and then gets married and moves away and she loses touch with her ultimately. We see a little bit of Sylvia with her older sister, Claudia, and their um, cousins that are similar in age to them. But the main relationships are with Sarah, um, between uh, Sylvia and her sister, Sylvia and Elizabeth, her cousin, I would say. Those are the ones that kind of jumped out at me in chapter one. In chapter two, I noticed other relationships coming into play. So 
We remember from chapter one that Sylvia is trying to convince Sarah to visit her mom for Christmas, who lives within driving distance. And Sarah is uh, not fully estranged from her, but just has a strained relationship with her mother. And this is very heartbreaking to Sylvia. And so she's trying to convince her to pay her mother a visit. And Sarah is resistant to this because of the tension that exists between her and her mom. And when Sylvia flashes back, now we see relationships that were mentioned in chapter one. Now we really get into the meat here of these relationships in question. So we see uh, Sylvia's relationship with her own mom in this particular flashback. We definitely see more with her sister, her older sister, Claudia, and they just are um, oil and water even from back when they were little girls. And we see some other great aunts come into play, aunts and great aunts, I'm not really sure there, but um, uh, yes, it has some other extended family. And I don't know if they're all just there for the holidays or if this being the big family estate, some of those women might be widowed, it it seemed to me, and maybe lived there as well because it's a, a large, home. I'm not really clear on that. I think it could be either way. Um, But at any rate, we have all of these family members together um, in this particular memory that Sylvia is looking back on. And we really see the interactions at play. So Sylvia and her mom, relationship between her mom and her dad, the relationship between her mom and then these other aunts slash great aunts. And like I mentioned, Claudia, Sylvia's older sister. Olivia is mentioned, or excuse me, Elizabeth is mentioned that, you know, she has written. So this is probably the Christmas or so after she married and moved to California. And then Sylvia had told us in chapter one that that trailed off and then she completely lost touch with Elizabeth and never heard from her again. Um, Beth Ann asked about uh, Elizabeth's installment in the series because we do find out what happened. We, as the reader, finds out who happens to what happens to Elizabeth. And then I don't remember if Elizabeth gets in touch with Sylvia or not later. But at any rate, we find out more about Elizabeth. And I responded to Beth Ann in the Facebook group about the title of that uh, book in the series. And I think it's called The Quilter's Homecoming. Uh, If I remember, I'll put that in the show notes too. If you'd like to read that one. This is a long series. Actually, I thought it was 10 plus books. I think it's 20 plus (laughs) based upon my Amazon searching. Okay, so Sylvia, um, now that Elizabeth isn't there, we're seeing Sylvia's interactions with a lot of these other family members. And in this particular chapter, what I found most heartwarming was the tradition of baking that Sylvia goes into a lot of detail on. It really inspired me to, I'm not a good baker, all right? Just putting it out there, terrible. Dough on the ceiling, the consistency of liquid when it's supposed to be puffy, all right. I. This is just a scandal to my Italian mother and grandmother, but I am not a good baker. And this was making me want to bake. I at least try to instill this tradition with my kids. My grandmother, who's still living, she's 91, um, she used to make dozens of kinds of Christmas cookies every Christmas Eve. And I get sad when I think back on how much I took that for granted and now that she doesn't do that anymore I'm sad that we don't have that uh, anymore and you know I would love to be able to make those chocolate balls you know (laughs) Um, so I'm thinking maybe I should try I can't guarantee what the result is going to be, but I don't think that's the point. Um, what Sylvia's talking about, of course, in here, this apple strudel was, I mean, 
trying to duplicate what she was talking about with pulling that crust. Can you even imagine? I, it would be a disaster if I tried to do that because it has to be exactly perfect, right? I've never handmade a crust a day in my life. So my mom does, though. But this has to be paper thin and all this business. But it was really inspiring me. I was looking up Christmas cookies from around the world recipes after I read this chapter and thinking that maybe I'll try my hand at this before Christmas. But I loved reading about the apple strudel that has been in her family for generations and uh, how her uh, predecessor, uh, what was it? Her name is Gerda, but I don't know how many generations ago this is removed from Sylvia because it does get confusing even for somebody that's read this series before. Um, that she would make all of these strudel every year and would distribute them to friends and neighbors as her gift to them for Christmas. And it was her way of giving back. And so if somebody had done something particularly nice for her in a year, even if it wasn't somebody that she knew very well, she'd bake on the strudel. So in this chapter, Sylvia's mother wants to bake strudel. So this is what we learn at this point of the flashback. We're now at the very beginning of the Great Depression. So that now gives us some context in terms of time. And that we also learn that Sylvia's mother is physically very ill and it just seems very frail and weak. I, I guess it's insinuated that this is some kind of a heart condition. They don't say exactly because Sylvia is looking at this out of her childlike uh, gaze and so she doesn't know what's wrong with her mother. And so her mother wants to make this turtle and she's obviously been sheltered by other members of her family against knowing the dire situation that everybody is in financially because of the, um, the depression. Um, so they're shielding her because they don't want her to worry. They feel like this would hasten the decline of her health. And so the supplies to make the strudel are actually in very short supply, flour and eggs and butter. But she doesn't really know that. And so she wants to make all this strudel and the ants are all trying to talk her out of it. But she's determined that she wants to make the strudel. They tell her, well, there's a little bit of a shortage of flour, kind of not giving her the whole story just to, you know, and she's not deterred, saying that if, even if this is the case, because things are a little bit tighter financially, that is all the more reason why they need to share what they have with others. And that is certainly one of the big messages for us to take from this chapter, so we'll circle back to that. So her and Sylvia and Claudia bake the strudel, and I just really loved that part of the chapter when they were making the crust and how they had to pull it to be you know, the perfect thin consistency and how Sylvia's so proud because they've never been able to participate in this before. They're big girls now and she accidentally tears a hole in the dough and is horrified and of course her sister is portrayed as very kind of bossy, um, little bit bratty and it's like well Sylvia made a hole in the dough you know and of course her mother is don't worry she just pinches it closed but Sylvia feels like this has ruined the strudel and it, it really shows the animosity um, simmering beneath the surface between Sylvia and Claudia to be sure but I really really loved that scene and then you know she makes all the strudel and she wants to go to deliver it and her husband Sylvia's father is very uncomfortable with the fact that she has um, sort of put herself through um, all of this baking and then wants to walk around and deliver all these packages and they haven't been driving much because fuel is expensive but he drives her 
to deliver them, and then Sylvia's mom realizes the full extent of the situation because when she drops off the strudel, she's talking to people and they're filling her in on how they might lose their farm and you know they have no money and all of this. And Sylvia's mother is horrified and wants to give even more to others. And she is not really fully aware of how difficult their own situation is, that there's not as much to give as she thought that there was. So that all happens. Um, all right, let me just look at my notes here real fast. Some of these things I've already mentioned. So at the end of the chapter, you know, um, we find out that you know Sylvia shares this tender experience with her parents delivering the strudel. Um, and everybody's very grateful to have this special treat for Christmas morning. And they have Christmas back at the house, you know, the beautiful traditions that they had always kept. And her mom, though, Sylvia can tell, is definitely ailing. And she was working a little bit on the Christmas quilt while she would rest, you know, be sitting. And we find out that after that Christmas, in fact, her mother's health declined and she passed away that summer following that particular Christmas of probably 1930 or 31, um, based upon what we know. So after that, Sylvia mentions that Christmas, it was like, it, it almost made me tear up a little bit, that Christmas was never the same for her, that, that um, happiness, uh, joy of being um, a child with both of her parents, um, loved by her mother, you know, here on earth, that after that was no longer the case, that Christmas was never the same. It was definitely a moving um, moment in the chapter, and when Sylvia flashes back to the current day with her and Sarah talking about this memory, you know, Sylvia tells her, this is why I feel so strongly that you should go see your mother because you still have a chance to share memories with her, to experience traditions with her, even if you make them right now. It hasn't been so great, you know, between you two for a lot of years, but you can turn that around and still um, have that special relationship that um, is possible for you with your mom. And, you know, Sarah, of course, is very moved and says, you know, she didn't realize why Sylvia felt this way and how strongly she felt. And, of course, she will try to reach out to her mother. Um, so I would say that our themes from this chapter, um, tradition, Christmas traditions and baking being the, like, less serious of the themes, which I really liked. Um, the more serious religious theme, I would say, is um, don't miss out on opportunities to reach out to others and to cherish that time that you can spend with them. I, I really, really liked this chapter. I liked it even better than chapter one. Um, it was a chapter that made me a little bit emotional. Um, you know, I'm very lucky in that um, I still have uh, my grandmother. She's 91, I think I mentioned. Um, my other grandparents have passed away, um, and I miss them every day. I do feel grateful that I still have a living grandmother at this stage of my life, and that my children um, have been able to get to know their great-grandmother. And my parents uh, were in their 20s when I was born, and so uh, I still have a lot of time to enjoy with them, and I feel very grateful for that. And, you know, as a person that has not experienced the loss of a parent yet, 
I definitely in the years, um, I guess five years ago and up, some of the people around me have begun to lose parents. Um, and I don't want to make this one of those podcasts where Tiffany cries, but, um, you know, I think about even when, uh, so I was 18 or 19 and trying to think of how old my dad would have been when this happened. Um, oh man, not that much older than I am right now, I guess. <laughs> A little bit older though. Um, when he lost his dad, that was the first of my grandparents to pass away, was my grandfather on my dad's side. And I remember thinking how hard that must be that you don't have that person anymore that sees you in that special way. You know, as a, a parent, you see your child as always your child, even when they're an adult and you know it's a, a different kind of relationship then. They're still your baby, even though they're not a baby anymore. And so to not have a person that sees you that way anymore, that's really hard. I really think that's hard. And so then when his dad passed away, or excuse me, that was his dad, when his mom passed away years later, um, Henry was a lot, he was little, but he had already been uh, born. I think he was two years old. And I, I remember talking to him about it in as gentle a way as I could. And he was very upset about it. I, I can see I'm going as long as I did last week. I'm sorry. I'm just chatty. Um, he said, you know, like, well, but what is, how can Papa not have a mommy anymore? And, but, you know, we talked about, you know, heaven and, um, and about God, and oh, we'll always have our heavenly father and mother, but, you know, our earthly mother and father, you know, things change after they pass and, you know, all of that. Um, so we talked about that, but I just remember him looking at me and saying, but, you know, how can he not have a mom anymore, a mommy anymore? And that just, of course, you know, as the mother of a son, that just, you know, made me cry. And I just can't even imagine how difficult that is when then you don't have anybody. There is no parent that loves you in that way above everybody else. So I thought about that when I was reading um, this chapter. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very emotional stuff. Um, very emotional. So I was very much um, empathizing with little Sylvia losing her mother as a child. I mean, so she had to have been, I don't know, what, seven or eight, I guess, in this chapter. Um, yeah, just really, really deep, meaningful, emotional significance in this chapter. So I'd love to hear what you thought about this chapter, if you cried <laughs> about Sylvia's mom, um, what you thought what the themes were, if you agree with uh, my assessment of those. And we'll take it from here with chapter three next week. So uh, for those of you following along on the blog, leave your comments there. For those of you in the Facebook group, I'll be putting up a post and you can leave your thoughts there. I look forward to chatting with all of you about this. I will be back next week for chapter three, and I'm looking forward to continuing uh, reading along. And I'll let you know if I try those Christmas cookies over the weekend, because that's when I was thinking of doing it. So <laughs> I need a chocolate ball cookie recipe, Italian chocolate balls. 
So we'll see how that goes. So I'll keep you posted. All right. I hope you have a wonderful um, end of week and weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.